I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Ghost Maps was recorded on Audio-Technica mics. Ghost Maps. Entry 15. Sago Lane, Singapore. The flame from Cindy's lighter highlights the deep-set lines on her face. She takes a drag from her cigarette and calls the drink stall auntie over. She talks and laughs with the auntie in Hokkien for a bit before ordering a kopio for herself and a kopi for me. I ask if she knows the auntie and she shakes her head. She says that she always makes the effort to be friendly with service staff. After all, she tells me she appreciates how difficult their jobs can be. A single mother who spent much of her 20s working in karaoke bars and CD lounges, Cindy's clearly had a tougher life than most. Still, her smile is that of someone who's finally found some peace and has hope for the future. She tells me about how the other mothers at her son's school look at her with disdain and disgust. She then adds with a laugh how after she spent years fighting off the advances of leering men, judgmental glares don't really faze her. She also says with a wink that the perverted uncles weren't the only things she had to be wary of during her younger days. I return the smile and ask her to start from the beginning. Cindy worked at a bar along Sago Lane in the early 90s. She can't remember its exact name, but says that it was probably called Disco Party KTV or something like that. What she definitely remembers though, was what an older hostess told her. That back in the 60s, that whole stretch was occupied almost entirely by funeral parlours. Despite getting a facelift in the 80s, the area still had a negative energy about it. This energy certainly wasn't helped during the Hungry Ghost Month, when owners of the bars would burn offerings outside the establishments. And it was one of these nights during that month when Cindy had finished her last shift. There weren't many customers around, and most of the other girls had left already. She was chatting with me, the hostess that was manning the reception counter, when a group of three men and two women walked in. Cindy tells me that she was never the sort who was sensitive to these sorts of things. But the moment this group walked in, she was overcome with an intensely uneasy feeling. The first thing that struck her about them was what they were wearing. The men wore bright red. The two women were dressed in all green. Despite looking like they were in their mid-twenties, the style of their clothes 
seem to belong more to the 70s than the 90s. And the shades of those colours just didn't seem right to her. She can't adequately describe it. But she said that there was an almost unearthly quality to their clothes. The next thing she noticed was that they were all very pale. Cindy fought through her unease and told them politely that they were closing for the night. The group didn't seem to pay her any attention and walked over to a room on the far end of the bar. Tired and cranky from a long shift, Cindy yelled out to the group in Hokkien that the bar was closed and they should get out. The group stopped just outside their room, turned and glared at her. That's when May, quietly but firmly, hissed at Cindy to leave them alone. Cindy turned to her and was about to argue when she saw the look on May's face. The girl was staring fearfully at the CCTV monitors embedded into the reception counter. The glow from the screens accentuating her terror. She pleaded with Cindy one more time to leave the group alone. Cindy relented, then turned back to the group who were entering the room. As the door shut, May gestured for Cindy to take a look at the CCTV feed with her. Cindy went around and saw what had spooked May. She was looking at the feed from the room that the group had just entered. The lights were on, and the TV was blaring an old Teresa Tang song, and there was no one there. Cindy wanted to rush over and see the room for herself, but May grabbed her arm and shook her head. Don't disturb, she said, shivering. When the last of the other customers and the other hostesses had left, Cindy helped May to lock up. No one ever left the room on the far end. The night after, Cindy returned to work and asked the other hostesses where May was. They told her that she hadn't showed up or even called in sick. And after her shift, Cindy tried to call May, but the girl's housemates said that May never returned the night before. I asked Cindy if she ever found out what had happened to May or she ever learned who that group was. But she shakes her head and takes a drag off a third cigarette for the night. She tells me that in her line of work, it was important to always be prepared to do whatever it takes to stay safe. She says that a month after that incident, she made an appointment to get a Sakyant tattoo on her back. The monk who tattooed her used a traditional metal rod. She tells me that it hurt like hell, but was totally worth it. A year later, Cindy found herself working another late shift during the Hungry Ghost Month. She was leaning over the reception counter with her back to the door, chatting with another hostess when she was gripped by that uneasy feeling again. She turned her head, and sure enough, there they were. All of them, eerily pale, 
the group glared at Cindy, then seemed to turn their attention to her back. Without a word, they all gave her a curt nod. She turned around, then nodded back, then moved aside as they made their way to the same room at the far end of the bar. Cindy tells me she hasn't had an experience quite like that since then. There were times when she felt like she was being followed after her shift, but she always felt like she wasn't in any danger. A couple of years after, she got herself a job as an admin clerk and never looked back on those days. Her voice drops to a whisper as she adds that she still tries to find out what had happened to me, but hasn't had much luck. She shakes her head, takes another drag from her cigarette, and smiles. That's when I realize that her smile isn't of someone who's completely found peace. It's a smile that says that she's prepared. I return her smile, finish my drink, and thank her for her time. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now.